Although edited for television, tonight's thriller contains scenes of suspense and violence which may be unsuitable for young viewers. Parental discretion is advised. Stick with the Japanese animation. And welcome to the Otaku Host Club podcast. Welcome. And I'm always joined here with Jeff and Dan. Oh, shit. You can do it for me. Do it for me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm in opposite land right now because I'm extremely tired. (laughs) Weird, jittery energy. Um, hell yeah. So, today, we're going to be talking about Kotaro Lives Alone and the live-action variety show old enough that Netflix insists you must watch after you watch Kotaro Lives Alone. Uh, but first, I have a few announcements, guys. Are you pumped? Are you pumped for my announcements? I'm pumped. They're exciting. It is. They're Please. so exciting. We have a new patron. Wow. Yay! Thank you. Thank you so much for supporting us, for supporting Pod, supporting what we do here. We love you yeah, so much. Thanks. thanks for your money. I'm not gonna say the last names. I'm just gonna abbreviate them to letters because I don't. Because nobody t- text me back. Tell me what your name is. <laughs> 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 and if you would like to support the show, head on over to Patreon.com/OtakuHostClub, and you too can get your name shouted out, like Francis, Johnny C, and Alex S as well as get awesome bonus content and special perks. Links for our Patreon and other social media like Discord, Instagram are in the show notes. And there's one more one more thing that we have to announce. We know what our panel is. Mm-hmm. Yes. So this is a, the the this episode should be dropping the night before Acon. We are all flying. We are all flying at the moment that you are listening to this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're in the air. We are. I above you. Wave. We're so high 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 above you. (laughs) We're so weeaboo. We're so high. Oh my god, I love it. (laughs) But we did get panel information this week, so we'd like to share that with you guys. Um, Our panel for iconic anime characters is going to be uh, Friday night at 6 p.m. What um, what panel room? Does it matter? Do we know yet? I'm just gonna see that on the email. Okay, so we don't know what room it is, but you know, if you follow us on Instagram and Discord and stuff like that, we will we will update y'all as soon as we mm-hmm. find out what panel room it is. Um, and then our iconic wait, forty years of anime theme music panel, which is now an hour and a half long, guys. That's should really be fifty years. I told them that it should be fifty years. Oh, they, they must not change it. Understood but, the assignment. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I think we should just turn it into a party since it's going to be so late. We'll just play music. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah. I was thinking when we're up shirts away. I was thinking we when we're, when we're up there, we got to be like, all right. So who who here is over the age of thirty and knows where the after parties are? You know? <laughs> <laughs> 
We want to party with you if you are age appropriate. Um, yes, yeah, so our panel's at 10.30 p.m. <laughs> Till midnight. Yeah, yeah, which is sick. I agree. And it's maybe maybe that is the right idea that we should get some pumping music and just like throw t-shirts out into the crowd. I like yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. I feel like if someone raises their hand and knows every single song in our in our survey, they should get a shirt. Yeah, you sure. can do dance if you can dance the best dance move with oh, a dance off. Mm. Play some yeah. pop. I just want to. You can bust a move. I want to know where the after parties are because I need to. I need to meet ladies. Oh shit! I'm. I'm, I'm gonna be in wingman mode. I know. I'm single. I look good. I'm you ready got to, fresh Yeezy? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to get to the convention and, and be a man out on the town. I ain't got easy money. I got gold money. <laughs> it's a off-brand shoe I got on Amazon. It looks dope as fuck, though. Oh yeah, that's cool. <laughs> got it from that website. What's it called? Uh, that, that large Chinese Alibaba. Alibaba. Yeah, like, Alibaba. Probably, yeah. <laughs> they absolutely are definitely from there. <laughs> <laughs> that looks cool. Um. But yeah, so we know our panels. That's when our panels are going to be. If you guys are going to be at Acon and want to check those out, uh, that's when they'll be. Check us out there. Come, come to our panel. Come see us. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to see us, then uh, shame. Well, then I don't want to see you either. Okay. We'll wear masks. We're wearing face masks. <laughs> oh, we did see. Um, Strictly serious. So we they they posted a quick video of their oh, their shit. panel. I hope our crowd is as lively. <laughs> they got yes. a good crowd. They got. Mm, I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, their panel was popping the fuck off. I know. Strictly, mm. did they want to come to um Oticon and do their panel there? That'd be fun. They were all worried about it. They're like, we're nervous. <laughs> we can do this. And then yeah, they killed that, it. That's a, you know, I, 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 I walked away from that clip feeling like, yo, can you guys like organize my birthday party? <laughs> so I, I too can have fun in my life. <laughs> like that shit look, it look lit, you know? It, did, it was, as the kids say, litty. <laughs> yeah, litty. it looked litty. You know, cat, I no wanted fa- to be all, there. Oh, yeah, all facts, no cat. Just yeah. <laughs> Playing catch up over here. Oh my goodness. Uh, oh, also shout out to our listeners in Brazil. What up, Brazil? Sao Paulo. <laughs> Minag- I'm, pron- I'm not going to pronounce these cities correctly. Piranha. Hmm. Rio de Janeiro. We, I'm looking at our uh, stats in our uh, platforms. Who's listening geographically? Hmm. Brazil is uh, our next closest neighbor. In terms of listener, counts. I know, well, right? Isn't that wild? Brazil, Brazil has a pretty solid anime scene. And I, is I our wanna... next con in Brazil? We going international, baby? Yeah, I mean, oh. I, I wouldn't object to it, to be honest. <laughs> I, uh, so J- Brazil has the second largest population of Japanese people uh, besides Japan. Oh shit! Um, that's right. Maybe that's a weird I'm gonna way move of to Brazil. It's, it's got the largest population of Japanese How hot people is it outside down Japan. There? How hot is it? Uh, it's really fucking hot. I will I say that the the hottest the the hottest heat I've ever experienced in my life was when we played in Fortaleza, Brazil, in this little practice space, 
and to, it's hard to describe the insane heat, but maybe this anecdote will portray it. There was a, a little window, not window, like a wall mounted AC unit that was going. And mm. over the course of the show, it started sparking and then it blew up. <laughs> Shit. Oh my and goodness. I, I have never experienced heat quite like being in that little tiny rehearsal space with all those fucking people on a hot summer day when everybody's rocking and rolling like that. And the show was terrific. I mean, it was really a, a memorable night. Um, yeah, Joao and Morte Lenta guys did a great job hosting us. It, it was a really cherished memory for me. But yeah, goddamn, man, I ain't ever experienced heat like that in my life. Well, it's been in the 90s, the mid-90s, the last few days here in Baltimore. So when Ooh, we go to cool. Texas... Uh, I'm jealous. It's 50 degrees over here. What? I'm No, I'm jealous of you. Can I please have your yeah. air? Like, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, if, if we could trade, I would do it in a heartbeat. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm melting. It's been huh. three days. I'm melting. I hate it. I hate it so much. I don't... Mm. I think it's weird to not like the season in, that your birthday falls in, but I hate it so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm not going to talk about anime that I've watched, mm-hmm. but I saw this movie. You might have heard of it. It's called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. So it was mm. between this and going and seeing the new uh, Doctor Strange mm-hmm. Marvel movie. We decided on this one. Hmm. It was a great movie. Two it was thumbs great. up. We had uh, speaking of the trials, we had a great experience at Trials Theater. I know you guys mm. have expressed some. Uh, at least Amelia has yeah. some. I don't some, like some it problems. there. You don't like it there, <laughs> really? I don't like it there. Why not? I like Trials Theater just fine. Um, uh, you know, just bad experiences. Oh, okay. It's not the theater's fault. I don't think. Oh, okay. Weird. They could have come from more comfortable scenes, but I'm just saying. You know. mm. Um, I agree. I agree with that. But the 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 theater we were in was full house. People were laughing, hysteric. You know, like just gut wrenching laughter. Oh, it was just like generally good, great experience. Mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't been to a theater or seen a movie in such a long time where the audience like it just made you feel good to be back in a theater. If that makes sense. Crowd participation was, was just. Mm-hmm. All I can say is sausage fingers. Off the chart. It's sausage fingers. Mm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. good stuff. It's got uh, Michelle Yeoh. fingers? Sausage. Oh. Or hot dog fingers. Ooh. Wiener fingers. Wieners. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a scene. I don't, I don't want to give away too much, but okay. there, there's a lot of weird shit that happens in it. Uh, mm. Michelle Yeoh's in it. Uh, Kehoe Kwan from... Um, uh, uh, not Gremlins. Um, fuck, what is it called? Uh, Indiana Jones, The Goonies. He's in Go- The Goonies. He's a little kid with the yellow jacket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So childhood, 90s movie, 80s actor. Uh, yeah. Now this movie. I think it was supposed to go to, this role was supposed to go to Jackie Chan and he turned it down. Hmm. Could be wrong about that, but I saw a headline. So somewhere. wait, what what genre of movie is this? This is a science fiction kung fu comedy. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Jackie Chan does more like straight up comedy. But I could this role looked like it was made for him. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, I think you're underselling Jackie Chan to say he's just a funny guy. I mean, he's a respectable <laughs> martial artist guy, well. too. Yeah. But, like, he doesn't. I don't think he's I, a comedy guy. Yeah. Yeah. His moves are comedic. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Have you seen the bloopers for Jackie Chan movies? He's funny as shit. Like, he's so mm. funny. <laughs> 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 well, I have been watching a whole bunch of anime. Oh, say. Uh, I started watching Silver Spoon, which is on Funimation. It's a, um, uh, Funimation doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> it's <laughs> well, I watched it on the Funimation app on my Roku. And it really? ain't on Crunchyroll. Damn. Um, but this is a kind of relaxed slice of life, kind of funny, kind of dramatic, kind of character driven. Um, yeah, just just a yeah slice of life kind of show about a um, kind of existentially lost teen guy that go randomly attends a agricultural high school. And he kind of finds his way through life amidst all these farmers and learning about livestock and whatnot. Um, and it's a cute show. It's a fun show. I recommend it. You know, slice of life shows go. I think this is a, a really good one. Uh, what has particularly caught my interest about it is its portrayal of animal rights in a way that is not commonly found in anime. And I think not commonly focused on in Japanese culture at all. Um, and when I, so what I mean by this is that our character is consistently kind of acknowledging and growing emotional bonds with all these different livestock animals at, at the farms. And then they, you know, but then these animals get turned into food and he seems to, he struggles a little bit with, with that process. You know, there's, mm. there's a scene early on where um, he and his classmates are chasing a chicken that, uh, get gets loose and eventually they catch this chicken and they're like oh chickens you know they're so interesting they're so fun and cool and like we really like these cute chickens he gives the chicken back to his um, his uh, upperclassman and the upperclassman's like oh thanks man and then just beheads the chicken right on the spot and is like yeah we're you know that we're trying to butcher all these chickens today but this one just fucking ran off um, and then the, our main guy is like, ah, you know, and later, later at the end of the episode, the upperclassman returns with a smoked chicken leg. And he's like, yeah, thanks for your help earlier today. I brought you, a, you know, a chicken leg to say thanks. It's, I mean, I'm telling you, man, this is really great shit. And our main guy is looking at the chicken leg and he's having flashbacks of, of the chicken running around and his emotions towards this chicken. He's like, man, can I really eat this animal? Like this, uh, this, this feels wrong. This feels fucked up. But inevitably he takes one and he's like oh shit it tastes fucking amazing and then he eats the whole thing and that that's kind of the uh the limit of his grappling with this you know he, he has various flashbacks of like oh you know this cute cow this cute pig it appears next to him he's like oh you know these animals were so cute oh but they taste so good so of course i'm just gonna eat them you know it's uh yeah maybe it's it's not the most like nuanced or mature take on you know, animal animal rights, as it were. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, how many vegetarian characters are there in anime? Like, there ain't ain't anime is not grappling with this topic at all, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And yeah, I was I'm I'm kind of interested in how Silver Spoon at least dabbles in it. This was a 2013 summer release, huh? Hmm. Oh, could be. The, the horses look very weird. I hate horses. 
You don't like horses? No. You like cows? Yeah. Cows are cool. I like cows. Cows are cool. Horses are hideous, disgusting creatures. <laughs> fucking <laughs> dumb as rocks. Useless. Hate them. Totally the most overrated animal. They do not deserve... What about, what about, about Bojack? Bojack count? I mean... He's an animated character that's an <laughs> anthropomorphization of a horse. It doesn't really count. Um, I've also been watching Captain Harlock Endless Odyssey, the Madhouse Captain Harlock show, um, which makes me wonder if Captain Harlock is not actually that great of a franchise. But at the same time, I acknowledge what is cool you know the ambiance the coolness of captain harlock uh is is very palpable to me as i watch this you know like i i can feel that like well harlock the you know like weird unspoken anarchist that you know seems to just intuitively understand all the secrets of the world he always has all the insider info that us as the audience are not privy to he's just this ultimate man of mystery and and ultimate man of you know actions over words and and this really nuanced anarchist worldview and his inner circle also seems kind of privy to all this insider information and and you know we as the audience are just kind of like awestruck by his um you know his his independence and and his um his initiative, his confidence, you know, and, and yeah, I appreciate Captain Harlock as a character, even though I find these shows to be a little like not a little lacking in terms of, of the, the plot or like lacking in terms of, of the writing, like the character, though the character work is pretty good, but to me, the writing of endless odyssey leaves, leaves a bit to be desired. Hmm. And that was kind of how I felt about the original 70s show when I watched it, too. That, like, yeah, I get that Captain Harlock is a cool dude, but the show just just it doesn't have the right kind of scope. It doesn't fully utilize its tools in the best ways. My favorite um, rendition of Harlock is probably Arcadia of My Youth. Yeah, I'm going to try to watch that when I'm back in Baltimore. Yeah, that's mine, it. too. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't watch. But I don't like. To your point, I don't like watch. I don't think I watch Harlock for the uh, for the story and plot so much mm. as it is, makes me feel really nostalgic and like mm. sort of uh, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Maybe because I watched Galaxy Express at a younger age, right on TV. So like, there's the music element of it. Which ties ties some of the stories, not stories, but the feelings together of, of these interwoven uh, characters and plot, you know, uh, universe. Yeah, but the universe is so f- fragmented; it's not really even consistent. Consistent, so hmm. uh, you can't can't rely on that. It's not like Marvel, the Marvel movies, where everything is tightly tightly knit. This is more loosely knit. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for Matsumoto's work. Um, so I haven't really been watching too much. I've just been grinding on my Nana. Oh, yeah. I'm about halfway yeah. through this Nana rewatch. I did 10 episodes this week. 
Hell yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, I did come across some pretty cool anime movie news, if you guys want to hear it. Yes. <laughs> um, so there are two films that are going to be released in October in Japan. And one of them is called To Every You I've Loved Before. And the second film is called To the Solitary Me That Loved You. Mm. Um, And they are companion films. Mm. um, And the outcome of the films will change based on which one you watch first. They're getting released at the same time. And mm-hmm. their style is kind of like like your name esque, but like mixed with like kind of like the character designs kind of look like robotics mm. notes or occultic nine. They're kind of like I don't know, like thin and pointy kind of style. They look, they look kind of older. They're not like so okay. polished like your name and all the Shinkai stuff, but um, they look very cool, and I'm very excited. Yeah. Um, I'm fascinated by the idea that the story changes depending on which one you watch first. I wonder how that actually plays out when you watch these movies. Yeah, I think it's because, like, the way the plots are, um, the plots are kind of, like, intertwined. Not, like, super, like, intertwined, but just, like, there are facts about the events in certain movies that change based on which movie like you watch, so you might watch one before the other and get yeah. knowledge of something, and then that'll influence your um, opinion on the fir- on the second movie or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, so the first movie um, to ever you I've loved before is um i'm just gonna read the synopsis real quick because it's like kind of like a sci-fi thing Mm -hmm. um a world where it has been proven that people swing between slightly different parallel worlds on a daily basis after his parents divorce koyomi takasaki lives with his mother enters a high school uh, enters a local high school however he is suddenly approached by his classmate kazune takigawa she says that she has moved from the 85th world and that koyomi and kazune are lovers there is himself in the parallel world, himself in this world. Mm. Mm. And then um, to the solitary me that loved you, um, a world where it has been proven that people swing between slightly different parallel worlds on a daily basis. Koyomi Hidaka, who lives with her father, lived with his father after his parents' divorce, meets a girl named Sato Shiori at the Institute of False Quality Science, where his father works. They both have a little crush on each other, but when their parents remarry, everything changes. Convinced that they will never be together, Koyomi and Shiori try to jump another wo- to another world where they won't be brother and sister, but a world without her has no meaning. Hmm. Hmm. Sounds Wild. cool. Doesn't it? Sounds really cool. So, should we get two screens and watch them simultaneously i think oh actually that uh, yeah absolutely i think that on 0.5 speed so you can read the subtitles back and forth (laughs) so wait so who's (laughs) who's producing this um let's see uh it will be directed by atashi matsumoto brothers conflict um animated Mm. by bakken record while kenichi kasai bakuman will be directing Mm. Um. Um. um, um. They are um, adaptations of sci-fi romance novels by Yomiji Otono. 
that were published in 2016. All right. So maybe light novels. Mm, Potentially there is a, um, an illustrator. Hmm. Oh, for the light. Okay, so it's probably a light novel. Probably. Interesting. But yeah. So we could read the books, figure out what happens before the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm not really gonna. I'm not really gonna do that. Yeah, I'm not a reader. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think those are that's really cool. I'm gonna be. Um, I'm really hyped for them. Yeah, I'll go see those. That sounds good to me. Um. I don't know. None of that really sounded that interesting to me, but fair enough. But that's just me being honest. I don't. I need a visual. Sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm captured by the idea of how uh, the the element of it that is most appealing to me is the idea that these two movies influence each other and. It, your experience mm. depends on which one you watch mm-hmm. first. I'm, I'm curious, curious to see how that actually plays out in reality. I mean, it must be as Amelia says that it's, uh, you know, you get information in one movie that will influence the way you see events in in the other mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like if there were like two, like if there was like your name and then uh, another film, kind of slightly like that, but like set in a different like time period that went along with your name like that would like like that it's gonna be yeah. like that i, I was like. <laughs> i was wondering if it might be a okay pers- okay uh, if it might be a perspective thing like one movie mm. is the story from uh, a character a's perspective and the other movie is the same story but from character b's perspective and you you know see these things differently as you you know see them in different different contexts mm. so it's a conceptual like piece or uh, two pieces that, I mean, I guess, yeah, that, that part seems interesting. That kind of grabs me. Mm-hmm. But, like, as far as the uh, the plot of it, I guess, I don't know. But sci- it's a science fiction, so maybe it maybe will be good. Maybe it's a great science fiction mm-hmm. yeah, but I'll, work uh, of art. I don't know. The, the, I've already got my science fiction work of the year pegged, and it sounds like oh, Amelia shit. started watching it last night. I did. <laughs> oh, did you watch the whole thing or just a little bit? No, I was just, um, I was just bra- perusing, perusing it. It. Put it on while I was doing some work. Hell yeah. I like it. Hell yeah, I'm hyped. <laughs> I'm hyped. We had some miscommunication, but we're going to come back to sing a bit of harmony. Yeah. We're going to come yeah. back to this because there is so much to say about the understated, absolute deranged insanity of sing a bit of harmony. It doesn't at first appear to be a piece of like unhinged ins- ridiculousness. But it totally is when you think about it. Do you know what else is an unhinged piece of ridiculousness? If you're going to say Kotaro lives alone, <laughs> I, I kind of disagree. I don't think it's that unhinged. <laughs> nice try, Amelia. All right. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, Kotaro lives alone. So I, I, I was kind of pushing for this to be our our topic because we need an easy topic real quick before Akon. Yeah. Uh, I I realized we have talked about Kotaro lives alone previously on this podcast, uh, but somehow it, it did not really sink in for me until one of our listeners, Marcus. Um, Marcus was started watching Ranking of Kings since I, I recommended it to him. And we were talking about ranking of kings, and then I thought, well, you know, I'm going to see Marcus next month. I should uh, uh, make an effort to watch some of the anime that I know he's watched, and I can engage with him about it. So I watched Parasite: The Maxim, loved it, and I watched Kotaro Lives Alone, and that blew me the fuck away in a way that I was not expecting. Based on the premise, I well, th- I, this was not on my radar just based on the premise. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, I would not have watched this show on my own accord. But man, this this is truly great. Truly great anime. So, this is your spoiler warning. <laughs> if you have not seen Kotaro, jump out now because I don't feel like we can do the show justice unless we talk about everything that the yeah. show has to offer. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we could cover the first episode and it not be spoiler necessarily, but because it basically sets everything up for the 10 episodes. But yeah, be warned. Yeah. So how and to be fair and to be fair, um, you know, you can only you can uh, hype something as much as you want, but until you watch it and experience it for yourself, you know, mm-hmm. you don't really know what you're going to get. Mm hmm. And I went into it pretty much blind. Um, I figured you were going to ask Dan mm-hmm. how we got in, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So pretty, pretty blind. I saw the trailer on Netflix. Uh, I, I tend to keep up on Netflix with the notifications. Mm-hmm. So whatever it suggests, I usually hit a reminder and I'll watch pre- a, pre- a trailer. I'll do this for like an hour. I'll literally just watch previews and trailers. And mm-hmm. Kara hates it. Um, but that's okay. She'll live. Um, but yeah, like I'll watch, I'll watch this. Yeah. So the, 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 the art style was very intriguing and the, the fact that it was a child living alone, like says it all in the title, right? Mm -hmm. Just like, where have we seen this? Usually it's the complete opposite. Like it seems to be subversion, a subversion of most of the anime cliches that we watch. So it was, uh, look promising. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, um, Amelia? So, uh, let's see. How did I come into Kotaro? Um, well, so, it kind of just, like, popped up on Netflix. Like, there, I didn't hear any talk about it whatsoever prior to it be- dropping on Netflix. And then, you know, I watch a lot of anime on Netflix, and Netflix suggests stuff for me, and... Um, it suggested me to watch it and I was kind of confused because I'm like why haven't I heard of this like at all like nobody has talked about this and um I had like a week or two in between seasonals so I was like you know let me bang out this Netflix show real quick um Anime Brothers did a um episode on it and I hadn't seen it I think by that point so I was like "Mm, well might, might as well so I can listen to that episode um and uh, the art style goes like 
I was like, what the heck is this? <laughs> um, <laughs> ew. <laughs> Why? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so that's you. That's all. That's all I did. Be honest. Be honest. Did you, did it, did it, uh, was it a, like a sort of a turn off? Did you, did you yeah. automatically, okay. Hmm. Automatically, I was like, what is this? Like, why does it have to be this way? <laughs> why are you like this? It's, it's, it is bizarre at first es- glance. Especially because, like, it, I don't know. It just, like, I don't know what his, the Kotaro's eyes, I feel like, just. <laughs> oh, really yeah, I was gonna. Get me every, like, I cannot get used to them, like, whatsoever. <laughs> oh, I, I loved it. I thought that was really an important part. The, the, the important thinking, part of his character design. I just keep thinking, cat soup, why? You're not a cat. Cat soup, why? Why are your eyes like this? <laughs> like, well, you know, <laughs> his eyes are, are so radically different from everyone else's and, and kind of inhuman because, you know, he's a young child that, that his, his, has experienced trauma and it's left mm-hmm. him in, in a kind of altered mental state. So to me, it, it felt like, oh, his eyes are this way because he's just, just on a different wavelength than everyone else around him. You know, mm. and that That is how it's portrayed in his, his character design. Yeah. And there's a, um, there's a live action movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I don't want to see that. No, not for Kotaro. <laughs> um, not for Kotaro. Uh, I think it's called Nobody Knows. I think that's what it is. Oh. Um, and it's literally like the, um, the kids that are in the woods in like the seventh episode or whatever it's literally them personified into this movie um so hmm, interesting yeah but there is there is a guitar lives alone live action there is. oh really yeah uh, that's terrible there is. yeah oh yeah uh, after watching uh what what was the live action show called that we watched i watched about like eight or nine episodes of it um yeah what was it called oh, um young enough old enough old enough old enough, old enough. Yeah, based on old enough, like A, I don't like little kids that much in general. And B, based on old enough, I don't want to see a live action Kotaro. You know? <laughs> like them them little kids are not dropping wisdom on adults around them. They're like squeaky little voices like that. Like it, uh, yeah, Kotaro, yeah, arguably one of the most unrealistic anime of all time for having a a pretty yeah. you know, on pay, a pretty grounded premise in some ways you know mm-hmm. it's not some i mean it takes place right down the street you know so to speak mm-hmm. uh but yeah like kotaro yeah they say he's mature for his age in the show he's mature for any age basically like he is he is just a mature he's to deal with stuff yeah and and you know i'm what yeah the the two things that i i particularly that really resonated with me with kotaro was his portrayal of loneliness and his portrayal of trauma and i i thought it it just was a masterclass in in having these emotions in really artfully crafted ways in re- really not obvious kind of ways really subtle kind of ways um and, but I, I want to zoom in for a second on its portrayal of trauma as it relates to Kotaro being mature, because I think that's that's a trope that you know trauma trauma makes you grow up fast. Trauma makes you 
uh, you know, will, will inevitably make you this like more mature, you know, more uh, well-rounded or emotionally capable individual. But that is not true, right? Mm-hmm. Like sometimes that's what happens, but that's not some universal rule, right? I mean, for many people, trauma will have the opposite effect. Trauma mm-hmm. will leave them emotionally stunted, you know, will leave them emotionally immature, will leave them incapable of, of um, you know, going through their life in a reasonable way. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't like when I don't, I don't like to see the assumption portrayed in, in media or like the, 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 I don't like to, to see this assumption championed in media without, you know, giving a, a better context to the way trauma, um, um, impacts people. You know, the, the, I don't like to see this assumption that like, Oh, of course, Kotaro is this like mature, emotionally, you know, understanding and empathetic person because he's experienced all this trauma. It's like, yeah, but you know, it's, I, I think he can be this person without having trauma in his life. Or, or maybe he finds his pathway to this point a little bit differently, but uh, I don't think I don't. I don't like to see the the cause, you know, the correlation and causation confused here. We're like, oh, because you know, Kotaro's dad used to beat him, therefore he's like this very mature, emotionally like adept individual. Like, nah, uh, uh, yeah, that's not like there are many people that experience trauma where where yeah, maybe we've all known people like this in our lives. I'm sure that like. Yeah, they have had trauma in their life, and they came out significantly worse for it. Mm. Did you all think that initially? So the premise is that Kotaro, as like the title says, he lives alone, and his neighbors take care of him. Did you all think that this character, like, did you think that the premise was real? Like, at first, <laughs> did you think? Because I personally thought that maybe there was a catch to all this mm. that he really mm. wasn't alone and th- or that his parents were there but just not in the back or maybe in the background or maybe he looked like a child who was really like 15 <laughs> or 16 and i'm like there's like this is happening you know this is realistic you know the f- so the first moment that he mentions how old he is he is four four years old i'm sorry <laughs> the completely unrealistic that this boy knows how to cook <laughs> yeah. for himself. Yeah. Full ass, like stir fry meals, <laughs> like at- knows how to turn the stove on, knows how to like make things that taste good. Like that yeah. knows how to get onto a bus system to go wherever he needs to go. Like, yeah, look at the four year olds and old enough. The motherfuckers can't even make a full thing of juice. I know. know. That's why I was like, <laughs> that's why I was like, we need Useless. to talk about these in tandem because I want, I, while I think Kotaro brings a lot of uh, themes to anime that aren't usually said, and I think a lot of people can relate to Kotaro, um, it's completely unrealistic. <laughs> and these these children can, you know, barely pick a cabbage out of a cabbage patch. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, the, yeah. So that's... Well, now we, oh, sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Well, I was just going to re- compare... So, I, you know... the closest thing I can think of to this would be um, Grave of the Fireflies. Uh-huh. And in their circumstance, 
they were forced to the two characters are forced into that situation mm-hmm. because of the war uh and uh i mean obviously the show is not as dark but it can be you know yeah well be. i would argue kotaro's a little bit forced into this situation as well mm. uh, true, by, true. by virtue of trying to hide from his dad um mm-hmm. but uh, amelia your your point makes me wonder would this show have hit differently if kotaro was older could could this show make mm. sense if kotaro was older and i i suppose the answer is no because if he was older his neighbors would be less apt to take care of him mm-hmm. and the the emotional buy-in from all of his neighbors is such a like fundamental part of the show you know it's one of the most most resonating and powerful parts of the show stuff like uh carino volunteering to help at the the um with the other parents at the Mm -hmm. um school festival i that that had me bawling you know Mm -hmm. i was crying it it just is like you know I, i walked away from that episode feeling like i too am prepared to adopt a child you know, like it, it uh, just, just was really. And, and, Rewind but that, that too. I hate children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to fucking insert that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like don't like little kids really. Neither do I. But I these would, girls, these girls and boys, they're very cute. They're very cute. Hmm. Anyway, I, I like my friends' kids. But I don't like, for example, the neighbor kids in the apartment upstairs who I find very obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on, on the one hand, it's true. But on the other hand, you know, I, of course, the thought crosses my mind as my, as my friends keep having kids. Like, dude, God forbid something happens to my friends. But like, would I, I would adopt Jenny's kids in a heartbeat if something, mm. I mean, God forbid something happened to them. But like, yeah, of course, I would, I would fucking adopt, you know, Owen and Eliza like immediately I would drop everything else in my life to do this. Um, Hmm. And I would say that about most of my friends, kids, although I'm not sure that Jenny wants me to raise her kids or that any of my other friends want me to raise her kids. I I think I would be a fucking terrific dad, but you know, (laughs) I understand if that's not what people want out of me. Um, But you would go to that PTA meeting. I would, I would be Carino. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then I, I think about, like, but then, you know, I say that, but then I think about the kids upstairs that I fucking hate and I look at them being like bored as shit, just, just destroying stuff outside because they're bored. And I'm like, I fucking hate these little kids, man. I, I pray to God I'd never have to interact with them or talk to them at all. Like, fuck but they're not your shits. They're not your kids. It's always like, that's always the case. You go out and you're like, you know, you the stereotypical Walmart situation where you're like, who's like, whose kids are these? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, yeah. these kids are doing an awful job, but like, you're not their parent. Like you don't know the, the situation, the mm-hmm. circumstances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in any event, so I, I think if, if Kotaro was a teenager, his neighbors wouldn't be so invested in taking care of him. They want mm-hmm. to take care of him because he's so, so shockingly young. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but what do you guys I feel think? Like, I feel like old enough, um, like kind of 
solidifies why this can this realistically like yeah four is probably too young but like maybe 10 or 13 year olds could live on their own Mm -hmm. because um and old enough portrays this in the fact that a lot of the kids that are walking around and doing these errands by themselves are living in a neighborhood or an area where there's a common like consensus like with people that you take care of children like Mm. the entire community is Mm. there to help children and it's not like you know like if like growing up growing up i did not have that like i don't think you would find that too much in the west i didn't think but because yeah because they're in such like tight-knit communities where it's kind of like unspoken that you help out children that you help out the community that like you mind your neighbors like you mind your manners like stuff like that but it can foster these types of situations mm-hmm. better like one of like the one girl with at the cabbage patch um her family owned the cabbage patch that she was trying to take the cabbage out of number one but mm-hmm. um but um the community that she lived in was really, really small. And it was the, it was the same walk Mm -hmm. that she did every day with her mom, you know? And so she knew everybody and all the little old ladies like love these children and they really want to like help them like do good in life. And like, they are like also, they are also tasked with taking care of them. Like when their parents aren't there. Um, and they feel the sense of duty just within themselves to do that. So it's kind of like, um, his neighbor, you know? He feels a sense of duty to take care of Kotaro, even though Kotaro doesn't want his help and may seem like he doesn't need his help. Um, he still feels that sense of empowerment to, you know, help him yeah. out. Yeah. That's why I think that they are very great companion pieces. <laughs> because, yeah. like, you can see where where and how, like, that, that kind of relationship would be fostered. Maybe not here. Not in our experience, mm. but... Right takes a village to raise a child sort of mm-hmm. yeah cool. yeah i think about i think about that exact phrase a lot that's why i try to be present in the lives of all my my friends kids and engage well, that with them like in japan such a way. is just like so much safer yeah there's that part of it yeah. too like absolutely I would feel comfortable. I guess the only thing I would not feel comfortable with is when the fir- in the first episode of Old Enough, when the little boy is going to the um, the supermarket and his walk is like almost a mile, and he has to cross the big street. Yeah, <laughs> the big street. That was a huge street for him to cross. <laughs> like, I was so mm-hmm. scared for his life. <laughs> but yeah, my, and mind you that. Uh, the cameraman there's like someone there's always somebody close behind I noticed this Mm -hmm. in just about every shot there's a lady he was following the child Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm like she's the only one without a camera so is she like there for liability issues or liability sakes like what if a car comes creaming through and she needs to save the child I don't know in the later episodes they they do not hide the fact that they are being filmed like you can see all of the cameramen the cameramen like get interacted with a lot yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember that episode. I most recently I want the one I watched. The the kids were like talking to all the camera people. Oh my god, they were <laughs> asking you questions. There. <laughs> There's a camera there. And they're like walking. They're like obviously hundreds of feet away, and they're yeah. pointing at right. the cameraman. So, and they're actually, but they're, and they're, but they're like, a little older, so I don't know. Yeah, they were older. They were like five or six, I think. Um, but yeah. they were also being like, um, "I hope you do well on your electrician job today," because they're all dressed <laughs> as electricians, and they're like, "What are you working on?" They like, they're like, "What are you doing?" Right. It's not exactly a <laughs> candid camera moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
my first Aaron. I think I like the Japanese title better. Mm. It suits the show. Yeah, I think that's. I also better. think that's better. Mm-hmm. I don't even think I remember my first Aaron. Like, I don't think my parents like did that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had a, a kind of weird mm-hmm. upbringing in this regard, so I, I didn't have anything like that to do ever at any point. I know, like in my neighborhood. So in my childhood neighborhood. It was like a neighborhood that was yeah. built in the 50s with like prefab houses when prefab houses were um, were like the brand new hot thing. Um, so they're basically like houses, like trailers, but like not mobile. They're just like wide and built on like con- like concrete blocks. Um, so there's a whole neighborhood of them. And uh, it was kind of like a maze, kind of like um, what's weeds, you know, mm-hmm. how, like the the intro to weeds you see all the little tiny houses in a row mm. it's kind of like that mm. we're at the top of the um the development there's like a semi main road um and there was like a corner store where they had like penny candy or like the two for a dollar packs of like really cheap candy and stuff like that so in the summer um i would play around the neighborhood with all the neighborhood kids we would ride our bikes like whatever and then we would go to the convenience store up at mm. the top of the neighborhood, but we all knew that like you're not allowed to cross the street. You had to like stay on the one side of the street. That's, mm. but that's the only thing that I would do by myself when I was really young. I remember doing a lot of stuff like that at, at a young age, mm. like washing people's cars, like seven or eight years old. I remember being in elementary school, and my brother and I would just go. We just go off. My parents were like, "Just come back." Mm. <laughs> come back for a certain time yeah i guess because my brother was two years older than me mm. he he was responsible for us mm-hmm. but uh yeah we'd walk to school and i mean i'm not that older than i'm sure most of the audience but like it's not like our parents or or you know 60s 70s who uh probably had a lot more leniency than we did mm. growing up yeah this Less helicopter parent yeah exactly I, I'm, I think we were among the last generations where where parents would just let their kids run around the neighborhood and not not really sweat it because i yeah it was the same mm-hmm. for me i was i was uh um yeah running around the neighborhood all willy-nilly without uh, any particular parental supervision or anything like that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, if we had to spend the night somewhere, that's a, that's a whole nother. That's it. That's a whole nother story. We need we need the whole uh, <laughs> you know background check. Oh, uh, yeah. Phone call. All my that. parents mm-hmm. uh, didn't really. I mean, maybe they did. I, I don't remember them really stressing so much about that either. Uh, mm. But I was I was cut a very wide berth when I was when I was younger. My parents kind of always let me just do whatever the fuck I wanted. Mm. part consume the media i wanted and behave the way i wanted but also i'm like not really a wild person in general so they could uh, <laughs> but i wasn't exactly like pushing the boundaries of acceptability you know on my own mm. accord. i was very mischievous mm. even if i was like in my own yard i was still mischievous i could say that <laughs> <laughs> So Carino, our main guy, the main neighbor, he's our age. He's thirty-one, so close enough, mm-hmm. close closer in our to our age group. Uh, and he's still trying. He's still struggling, fi- figuring stuff out as a manga artist. Um, I mean, aren't we all? So? 
Yeah, but like in the same situation. Maybe not Dan, but. <laughs> <laughs> if I saw a child next door, like do like I would probably uh, step in and maybe try to figure out what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, if if a small child moved into this apartment building by himself, <laughs> there was no way I am interacting with that child unless he interacts with me first. <laughs> I hope that all of Dan's friends who have children are listening to this. <laughs> yeah, this is my is this my Gemini style to have yes. like two very yes. distinct sides. It's like, yo, if we're if I'm tight yes. with your parents, if your parent you know, if I'm tight with your parents and they vouch for you, then we're good, you know, but otherwise I'm not interested, you know. <laughs> oh, hilarious. Mm. I would step in. I would be afraid he would burn the house down. And my house is attached uh, to your house. So we fair. can't have that. Yeah, we should not fair. have that. <laughs> yeah, I was, by the end of the show, I was, I realized that there wasn't going to be a, uh, a, a distinct end point or, or some like climatic um, finishing conclusion, some climatic mm. conclusion. But I, I like to, I'd like to see a season two where Carino and his girlfriend of the, the final episode just adopt um, Kotaro and become a family. Hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally cool with that. I want him to at some point have a family. <laughs> Doesn't matter what kind. Kotaro or Carino? Yeah. Kotaro. Yeah. 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 And I would like him to have some stable, some stable people. Well, and, and I, I loved all of the, uh, all of his neighbors for kind of this, this particular reason, right? That like mm-hmm. they all had this, this, uh, they all cared for him in their own ways. You know, we had, yeah, Carino, we had the hostess woman, um, mm-hmm. that, yeah, had, had her little play dates with Kotaro and, and, um, uh, I, there were parts of her arc that I, I found kind of objectionable. I'm thinking specifically of you know when when she is facing abuse, and Kotaro has this really sad trauma informed response. You know about mm-hmm. um, how he needs to you know like oh he, he he doesn't say it like this, but the gist is that his dad abused him and beat him, and so he needs to Kotaro needs to become stronger, like physically stronger. So that he can withstand his father's beatings, and and his dad will be able to like love him appropriately if he's like physically strong enough to, to handle the the hard parts. And yeah, that's like dude, that's rough. That also like had me choking up. You know, mm-hmm. that just yeah. that just really hurts. And the um, the hostess woman is getting beat by her boyfriend. But she and mm. but she kind of like she doesn't. I, in the end, she moves out of the apartment because she is decides to just kind of like run away from the situation. She's like, "Well, the the police aren't going to do anything about this, and I don't really, I don't feel like I have any other options. The safest thing for me to do is to just vacate the situation altogether and just like go move somewhere else and and you know be out of out of reach and, and off the radar for this guy." And I understand how that's realistic, but it played in my mind. It, it played a lot into Kotaro's trauma informed trauma informed response. You know, it, it felt like it was uh, reinforcing Kotaro's twisted worldview 
rather than being like, no, Kataro, like it was not your fault that you got hit and it's not my fault that I got hit. And I'm not backing mm-hmm. down. I'm not going to move or leave you behind because it's not my fault, you know, because I'm not to blame for this. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need to change my behavior because I'm not the one at fault. And Kotaro, you yeah. don't need to get stronger because you're not the one at fault. And I, I was really, I, I wanted that to be the angle, but that wasn't how the episode played out. Mm. Um, I guess that's like my one gripe with the show. Um, is that they let, they just, they know the adults kind of like know better and know why Kotaro is saying the things that he's saying and why he has this worldview, but they're not like helping him change it. They're not like reinforcing good behaviors and like good patterns of thinking. Yeah. Maybe they're not. Yeah. They're just like, Oh, you have this trauma. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's not their job to. Well, well, I would argue that it's kind of is if they if they're like willing to help him if they want to be in his life, and they're saying like I'm always going to be with you. I want to be with you forever. Like I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to be like your parents. Um, At least the woman was saying that. Um, But like when you when you are taking on a child of trauma, like you kind of have to be responsible for that. Yeah, well, that's the that's. Part of the issue is that the government is supposed to be stepping in and doing this, and they're not doing a great job. Um, I found uh, so I found some this Reuters article about the foster care system because this is the most interesting part to mm. me. Because um, I want to know, like, wh- is this is this happening in Japan? Right? Where's Kotaro? Like, is an issue. Where is he? <laughs> Where are all the Kotaros? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so like eighty apparently eighty percent of this is written in twenty nineteen by the way. Uh, the manga of this is it was written in twenty fifteen, hmm. so it's still in line with the mm-hmm. with the times. Um, so eighty uh, percent of the foster care uh, people who kids who need foster care who need a house, which is about thirty eight thousand students, uh, says says students children um, in residential care facilities um, end up in these like. Yeah, residential care facilities. So it is basically like in Kotaro, those houses with a bunch of kids yeah, in them. Group homes. With in, yeah. in group homes, yeah. And I'm like, well, if that's eighty percent, like we're like where like what what's going on here, right? So they the majority of these kids uh are are there for about a decade. So they don't find a, a actual adoption mm. uh for ten years. That's so and when they when they're eighteen they struggle to, um, you know, find jobs. Mm-hmm. They f- struggle with loneliness. Um, they're not getting into universities. And so, yeah, kind of perpetuates this issue, this cycle. Mm. And this is Japan, you know, this is a developed nation. Uh, so why, why is, why is this an issue? Yeah. I don't think they have as much social development as we do. Yeah. Why indeed. Hmm. But I'm sure we could do a whole episode on on this alone. (laughs) (laughs) On the foster care system of Japan. Companion episode. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, Yeah, well, we we do see a little bit of CPS action in Kotaro because they go and pick mm -hmm. up the other neighborhood kids that are living by themselves, you know, with the older brother that uh, feels like he can't handle the responsibility anymore. And Kotaro kind of challenges him to rise to the occasion. 
Yeah, that episode was rough. Yeah. Um, so the other neighbors include the Yakuza guy downstairs. Oh, I hate his suit mm. so much. His suit has Tomorrow. his suit has a very bizarre animation to it. I hate it so much, so much. It's because they use well, the technique is they use like these these swatches of uh, patterns or whatever yeah. clothing, and they just move it with the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just not actually animating. They're not animating anything. Yeah, it it looks a little weird on screen, but it it wasn't objectionable to me. Just just different. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, yeah, I, I enjoyed the angle of Yakuza guy substituting Kotaro for his alienated son that his ex-wife, I'm assuming, I think, uh, that his ex-wife has custody of. And it, it hurt when the son, when the dude's son, you know, ran off and snuck away to come visit dad and dad had to turn him away and say, no, you can't break the rules. Go back with your mom. You know, it, uh, I understood why it played out that way. And I, I understood his point that like, well, I, I want to instill in my son that, you know, I, I don't want my son to be, you know, a, a rule breaking degenerate, like dear old dad, you know, I want my mm-hmm. son to understand that rules need to be followed so that he can have a better life than I had. And I appreciate that and, and value what he says, but the way that he communicated this to his son was so blunt. And it's like, oh, thank hurt, goodness! I was hurt. like, where is he, Dan, going with that sentence? Because, like, man, I was just like, why are you speaking to him like that? Like, he clearly is like trying to reach out to you. Your yeah. ex-wife is being a biatch. Like, yeah, he just literally wanted to see you. <laughs> Like, I get that you're not supposed to break the rules, especially when they're, like, um, uh, court-ordered rules, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, the kid has, like, clearly the ex-wife is being negligent and not letting him see the kid. And the kid wants to see his dad. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. just be happy for, like, a second and then tell, you know, have a have a stern talking. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like the neighbor woman that moved in towards the end. I thought the angle of being a, a woman that... that is kind of fearful of children or, or has this distaste for children. Um, and she argues that, well, you know, I, I didn't ask for it to be this way. I, I, you know, she feels conflict in herself for being, you know, like this, for being a woman in modern society where there's expectation and there's gender role attached that, Oh, you know, I, I have to be motherly. I have to be like, you know, present uh, femininity in this way of, of caretaking for children, but I don't fucking like children, you know? And so she struggles with her identity and, and her femininity and, you know, how, how to go about her life. And Kotaro just is like kind of low key torturing her at all times and, and <laughs> like forcing interactions with her in an effort to, to um, overcome this, this, this uh, difficulty she has. And yeah, I just thought that was, that was a cool, cool angle, cool character. Mm. yeah i kind of forgot about her um it's been mm, like at least a couple of months now since i watched this i watched i ended up rewatching the first and last episode mm-hmm. to just sort of recount sort of the the things that happened in the show and i forgot how much to your point i like i like this character a lot she it just goes to show you the duality of of uh, the characters uh-huh. in the show and just of, like human beings in general. And like to your point, Amelia, like we're kind of 
hypocritical in a way. Um, like we take the responsibility to take care of Kotaro, but yet we <laughs> we're at, we're at fault at the same time. Mm. You know, if we don't uh, fully ex- fully. Um, you know, fully, uh, I don't know, um, not extend this, this responsibility, but like, if we don't, I guess there's only so much you can do, but still. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, I kind of think of it like, uh, buying a brand new puppy versus like adopting a dog from a shelter. Mm. Like, the dog from the shelter is going to come with trauma and baggage, whereas, like, the puppy is, like, brand new, fresh. You mm-hmm. can make it whatever you want to. And I feel like, yes, adopting is amazing. And if you have the time, absolutely adopt. But, like, if you're not ready for the challenge that comes with adopting some, like, an animal with trauma, yeah. then, like, it, it's going to be a bad time for you and the animal, you yeah. know? It's mm-hmm. like... Mm-hmm you know, you have that responsibility as the person who is accepting to take care of something to like give it the best you can. So like, you know, Mm -hmm. if like they're scared of something and you don't take time to work with them to not be scared about the thing that they're scared about, then like, what's the point even, (laughs) you know, let let somebody else who really wants to take care of this thing, take care of the thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you kind of see that, um, play out with Shin towards the end of the season where he's he's you know gaining pretty good success with his manga and now he's got this opportunity to uh, you know continue it in the three different um, I forgot what they called it um, seasons or I, I forget the terminology but anyway yeah he, he's got this publisher and they're like yeah we'll give you a, we'll give you a long term deal mm-hmm to keep making this manga, but you're going to be crunch time, mm-hmm. you know? So he's forced to decide, do we, do I take care of Kotaro and do my manga? Mm-hmm. And like, I, can't, uh, I can't do both kind of thing. Yeah. I kind of do both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's that character who sort of steps in, he stays with him. She's an ex, right? This yeah. I guess, I guess so. Yeah. Oh, ex-girlfriend. Yeah, the, Sorry. Yeah. yeah. And she shows up to the house and it's oh, like, I, hate I need her. a place to live. I hate and her so kind of You hate her. And I hate her. <laughs> Why? You have absolute you have you have literally no right to go pick up someone's child from daycare and do whatever uh, with well, him yeah, that okay. you feel That's like. Fair. Absolutely no right. True enough. <laughs> oh man, I was so mad. I'm she like, overstepped. Look. She overstepped overreach yeah. kind of thing. And it's not even yeah. like a like um I don't like you. You can't have my kid. It's literally like the parent didn't like, I guess like if, um, what's the neighbor's name? What's the neighbor man? Carino. Carino. Carino is like taking care of Kotaro kind of full time. Um, they live in separate apartments, but you know, like he is the father figure at this point. If he doesn't know where Kotaro is, like that's an issue. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you don't take kids away from their parents. Mm Hmm. Mm. No matter what the situation, like that needed to have been a phone call. Like, hey, pick, I'm picking him up from school. Yeah, that's true. And then she like doesn't tell him about uh, the talent show. I know that was fucked up. That was fucked yeah, up. Yeah, you fucking, you fucked mm. up. You fuck, you a fucking hoe. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. 
Um, oh, I want to point out the uh, the voice actor for Carino is our guy Porco Galliard. Oh, there's sick. some pretty big names in this in this in this anime. Hmm. Yeah, Toshiki uh, Masuda is the, is the voice actor. Um, he's also in My Hero Academia. Uh, he's uh, Ejiro, hmm. Red Riot. Um, and uh, the, the the voice actress who plays Alphonse from Fullmetal Alchemist is so, is Kotaro, uh, Miss Rie Kugimiya. 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 Yeah, she's... I her, The voice sounded very familiar, Kotaro's, but I'm like, I couldn't put my finger on it, but I guess that makes sense. Here we go. Hmm. Um, and not last but not least, uh, we got um, the character who plays Akitomo, the voice actress, is Yor from Spy Family. Hmm. So just a shout out, just a quick, yeah, quick insert there. Netflix pulled together an all star cast for this. Would have never yeah, known. Yeah, I would have never known. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we've we've talked a little bit about uh, trauma in Kotaro Lives Alone, but I was also really struck by its portrayal of loneliness, mm. and, and that had a really big it cut deep for me, you know. And and I've never uh, uh, I don't know coped with loneliness in, in these kinds of ways, but stuff like when Kotaro was cooking, you know, he would like cook really big meals meals. of many, many different dishes. And then he would interact with any, every given dish. And then that inspired all of his neighbors to come over for dinner. And he just made one big fit uh, dish that everybody could share. And he remarked, yeah, I think this is, this is a much better way of appreciating food. You know, I, I don't need to have a lot of different dishes to keep me company. It's better when, I have people here. It was like heavy. Mm. It was great. I was just thinking, you know, if I were him, I'd make a lot of food so I could have lunch the next day too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pretty smart. (laughs) It's me. So after watching the first episode again and thinking about the tissues. Oh yeah. What the hell is going on with that shit? Who the fuck eats tissues? My God. Oh my gosh. You cannot even say that. I've never heard of eating tissues in my entire life prior to this. I'm sure you've never been so starving that you have needed to eat tissues. Yeah, but I don't know. Like uh, boot leather, I understand, but <laughs> tissues—it's not even like what is. What well, are I you mean, supposed to be? We, what? Like we I ain't gonna eat this fucking all, table either. You know, like well, we all have appendixes, and you know, so it's we we can eat wood and things made of wood, but do we? No, because now we are a civilized society. <laughs> we don't eat wood. Um, Lemongrass, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> lemongrass <laughs> I would totally eat grass or leaves over a tissue I don't think I would oh I totally would the way Kotaro makes some sounds <laughs> throw some fucking uh, some, some hot sauce on some grass man some, hmm. some salad dressing call it a day hmm. so are, are you guys familiar with the practice of eating tissues prior to this show no because I grew up extremely no. privileged <laughs> hmm. I always had a nice hot meal cooked okay. by my mom well yeah I, I, 
I suppose is like, but the way that you say that makes me feel like, uh, uh, you know, you're, you imply that of course there are many people in this world with, with real problems that wind up eating tissues, but it is, or yeah, or can't, don't you have anything to eat? <laughs> well, I un- yeah. Okay. I understand people are starving. People eat dog food. People eat cat food. You know, mm-hmm. these are things that happen, but t- tissues, uh, uh, I typed in eating, eat, can you eat tissue? And there's literally a, a, a video, woman eats half a roll of toilet paper per day. Yeah. There, have you seen yeah, my she's probably, I'm, I'm chalking that up to mental illness. You know, I mean, it's one. That is, uh, well, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> well, it's, it's, well it's, it's, trauma xylophagia. is part of mental illness. Well, I, I, I suppose you, we could I'm sorry, but Zorbidol, Zorbidol is in gum. It's an ingredient in gum. Mm-hmm. So, no. Well, I suppose we could chalk up Kotaro eating tissues as this, like, yeah, trauma-induced behavior. But I... I, mm. I just imagine mm. that when Kotaro was left alone... Uh, by his parents in that in the apartment that they visit that uh, he was left alone for like days at a time mm-hmm. and if he was younger than four because he because I would assume at this point he's lived in the group home for however long so if he's there by himself and hungry and he is two years old and cannot does not know how to cook I mean, clearly nobody, I don't feel like anyone has like taught him how to cook. Yeah, nobody's taught him. At this point, maybe in the group home, they teach him. It would have been in the group home that he learned. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and if they're, if the parents don't stock food in the fridge, like if, you know, like Mm -hmm. I can only think that like the next closest thing would be something like light and fluffy. Not that mm. I would do that. I I don't know. I'm not. I will have not ever been in that situation where I've been that um, hungry. But mm. right. I just imagine so. that like a like this poor boy, <laughs> so abused. Yeah. So is yeah. It's the argument of is it a psychological uh, um eating disorder or is it him just being hungry and not knowing how to cook or even though he just made his entire meal in one episode yeah well i'm saying like before he even like got to the group home so like in his trauma in his trauma house he's probably two years old and eating i don't even think i've had conscious thought conscious thought at two years old yeah Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i don't know that's all i'm saying Hmm. somebody google search do starving people eat tissues yes or no well and you know there was that boy in the news that said the same thing well i realized in the show yeah they they (laughs) tried to they solidified the fact that yeah in in universe this is a thing that happens Mm -hmm. but in real life um i i hear you and understand your perspective but nonetheless i'm still not convinced that anybody's actually eating tissues yeah, I mean, I'm not convinced that a four-year-old can live on his own and <laughs> cook his own dinners. And yeah, after watching Old Enough. Get yeah, himself to school not. on time. Yeah, definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> I was surprised I to learn that, like, two-year-olds can walk. 
and old enough. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, they can walk already? Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're moving. <laughs> yeah, what was the what was the youngest child? I think um you, you remember it was two? I think he was two and a half. Um, he was the sushi chef's son who needed to go literally right down oh. the street for the dry cleaning. and He had a meltdown. He had a literal meltdown. Yeah. Fossible I mean, he was two kids. and a half. He was two and a half. I can't even imagine. Can you imagine having to go off on your own without your parents at two and a half? I <laughs> he cannot was remember. so scared out of my mind. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can't remember. Can't remember I wouldn't, two and a half. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I would have had a meltdown too, but like, okay, so the kids in old enough though, like they would do so well if the grandmas would just stop talking to them. Let's <laughs> like, mm, stop getting distracted. Notice? Yeah, because yeah, they the grandmas distract them. Like the first episode, the little boy's like, "All right, I got the thing. I got the fra- fish, whatever. I got the um, flowers." And then the lady's like, "That's it, right?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, "Uh." Yeah, like you're telling me that's right. It's a little bit of a leading question. I think that's it, but and then he gets like halfway down the street and he's like, Oh shit, I need a curry. Right. (laughs) I'm like, You granny, (laughs) stop. (laughs) Confusing them? Are they distracting them? Yeah. I like the ones where there's with it with when they're in groups or they're a couple. Mm. There's like two kids. I watched one where they were carrying the bag for the for the groceries. So one one kid had one arm and the other kid had the other mm. handle mm. of the bag. And they were walking and they walked past a pole and they the bag got stuck in the pole and they swung around and smacked each other's faces. <laughs> I was just like, I had to watch it like three times. It was hysterical. Oh my God, it's, it's hysterical still. Yeah. I still. I still think about that moment. <laughs> and they didn't cry or anything. They're just like, "I'm sorry, oh. I'm sorry." Yeah, they kept the two boys had kept getting in fights, and so they were like trying really hard not to get in a fight. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "We need to say sorry to each other." <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, their <laughs> their dialogue is great. <laughs> <laughs> or there's that one where the little boy and the girl are like, the boy is literally like full sprinting up these yes. steps. Will not the, stop running. And the girl's like, "You gotta stop running. You have to stop running." Uh huh. Uh huh. And then I'm she like, the falls on her face at the end, and he like doesn't even care. He like <laughs> yeah. is runs to his mom. <laughs> oh, poor child. Yeah, I wonder if the producers were like, "All right, they're moving too quick. We need to make this episode last <laughs> a oh my longer." Gosh. You can see them; they're like they're hustling to run in front of them to get the shot. <laughs> you can see they're out of breath in some shots. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh. yeah, I like the boy with the with the fish. Yeah, they bring the fish in the ice ice bucket. Mm. And he kept dropping the ice bucket and the fish would go everywhere and he couldn't he he was terrified to pick up the fish because they're so slimy and he would like he would put the fish down like wipe his wipe it on the on the ground and on his clothes and then he eventually got he eventually got a bag of of like of, of vegetables and apples and he had to climb back up this hill this very steep hill and he got to the top and he dropped the bag the bag ripped or something and, it all and then all the down. fruit started rolling down the hill <laughs> 
that's the moment the producers are like, oh my God, he's going to run out into the street. Everybody like go, go yeah. in front of him, go grab the apples for him. And the, his favorite food was sashimi and he didn't know where it came from. <laughs> and then at the, the end of the episode, his parents are like, look at this fish that you took and got sashimi. Like, don't you love it? And he's like, no, I hate it now. <laughs> he still hates it. Yeah. I ain't eating sashimi no more. Mm-hmm. But he, but at the by the end, he was able to pick up the fish without, uh, you know, wincing or crying <sighs> about it. I mean, not gonna lie, I probably would have been afraid of that. those. Those fish were huge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, back to tissues. <laughs> tissues. I ain't eating them. I don't think I've ever tried to eat a tissue. Have y'all eaten glue? No. Not that I remember. Mm. Me either. Yeah. So apparently it's called xylophagia. Uh, it's consumption of paper and form of eating disorder known as pica. Right. Because an unusual craving for ingestion of either edible or inedible substances. Yeah. Well, that's like the thing cats have. I was thinking of, mm. in House. There's an episode or two of House where people got pica. Hmm. I feel like as a kid, I would eat wrappers from the like candies. I would like eat a Starburst, mm. and I would leave the wrapper and on. You just you're like, Bleh. and I would just eat the whole thing. M M&M and M style. Fascinating. <laughs> I never did anything like this, to my knowledge. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So other stuff that moved me in Kotaro, I really liked the umbrella stuff. Yeah, I thought that was very touching. Yeah, yeah, that was very sweet. And I, I like when Kotaro was paying people to watch his impressions. I, I thought that was a really <laughs> ingenious way of portraying loneliness. Oh, you know what else was ingenious? Um, every time the lady who was the lawyer on his beneficiary yeah. thing came over to his house, he would um, he would kind of hold her hostage. <laughs> Just so that he can yeah. chat with her yeah. and have some kind of human interaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that spoke Amazing. to me, too, because that's the kind of shit that I do. Yeah. Yeah, the umbrella scene, though. That's great. Like, you'd hold the idea. It's kind of like a parable. Like, the idea you'd hold, you know, the umbrella closer to your walking mate just so you can get your... So, so they're protected, but you would still get your shoulder wet. I'm like, yeah. hmm, that's, uh, I'm trying to think if I've done that. I, th- I feel like that's for a child to think that and to, yeah, that's, that's deep. I feel like Kotaro has a lot of empathy for other people and that's mm-hmm. kind of how he can like see through everybody's, uh, like facades or masks that they're, that they're wearing around mm-hmm. him. Um, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's because of what he's gone through. It's kind of like, um, I, uh, I have been through the experiences that you have been through, or I know kind of like what you've been through. And in that situation, I wish someone would have done this mm-hmm. for me. So I'm going to do that for you. Yeah. And I think that was like the biggest theme that I took away from Kotar was how empathetic he was towards other people because he wasn't treated fairly, uh, growing up. So he wants to treat other people as fairly as possible. Yeah. You can, you can see that most clearly when he's interacting with his teacher at kindergarten mm-hmm. and tells the teacher you don't have to have a fake smile around me you know <laughs> I thought that was yeah really touching mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Hmm. He always like no seems to like know what what the other person's kind of going through before like they realize yeah, before they else. do. Yeah. It's really cute. Yeah. Well, I think that's I've heard this a lot, but it's, you know, we shouldn't treat kids like they're kids. We should treat them like adults because they're highly perceptive mm-hmm. and more emotionally uh intelligent than we give them credit for. Mm-hmm. I think that just goes to show you uh in the show that 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 is yeah. the case. Kotaro <laughs> makes you feel that way then old enough wipes the slate clean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there's some of those kids. That's uh, true. But when you're in those situations and you're forced to grow up uh, in in an environment like Kotaro does, it forces you to grow older faster. Yeah. So maybe they're just choosing the wrong kids. You know, maybe they're choosing these kids that are have nice uh, families. Yeah. They have nice they moms nice, and dads. <laughs> there you go. Hey, here's a kid that got beat by his dad. Put him on TV. <laughs> I like and how it's just exploitation. Yeah. I like how in one of the old enough episodes they're like, wait, I'm gonna be on old enough? Cool. I get to go on my first errand? Cool. <laughs> Yeah, I guess because by the time that this like these later seasons are coming out, these episodes maybe they're like totally aware they're watching this. They're watching old enough with their parents yeah. on TV, so now they're in on the jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do I do talk to kids like adults. That's part of why I find them so frustrating a lot of times because mm-hmm. I'm like talking to them in earnest yeah. and just getting bullshit in response. You know? but, oh yeah, Jenny Jenny has told me that her kid part of the reason her kids love me so much is because I. You know, I'm I interact with them at their level, right? Like I like have real conversations with them about their days and their interests, and talk to them in a genuine fashion, and and that is why they're part of why they're always so excited to see me and play with me and whatnot and hang out with me. And I I like hanging out with Jenny's kids. I like having this window. I, I like it on a variety of levels, but you know, I, I like having a, a window into what's hip with today's youth. But yeah, they they certainly get more interesting as time goes on i'm looking forward to you know when they're high school aged when they're college aged when they like have something more interesting to tell me yeah but fuck it (laughs) i'm back and forth man i really am to your point dan (laughs) i think we would all feel differently if we had kids I feel like you like your own kids. Yeah, that's that's what they always say. Yeah. Yeah. And I like my friend's kids, you know. I, uh, you know, I... I want to... I I don't baby, I I don't baby talk animals either. You know, I I treat everybody the same. Oh, me and Eby have conversations, especially when she's being rude. Mm. And she knows what's up. (laughs) She knows. (laughs) We talk. That's good. (laughs) I can't wait to see yeah. your child, Dan. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm so, I'm, in, I'm low key excited for when you have a kid. Yeah, well, if I have a kid, I'm, I'm sure I will. Uh, I don't know, fuck it up in reasonable ways to make it an interesting, adept. You know. Can you imagine the amount of conversation that will come out of your child? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I pretty, pretty, pretty good. You know, I when I when I think about the possibility of me having kids, it seems really daunting because I, you know, of course I want to follow in the footsteps of my dad, who I think is just about the best dad that one can be. And I I see how much my dad put his own life on hold to focus entirely on me and, and 
give me the entirety of his attention, energy, and resources. And I, I feel that that is the right thing to do and that I, that will be, that should be what I do as well. So I'm like, mm-hmm. not really apt to have a kid so casually. Cause in my mind, it's like, well, I got to give up a lot of my identity so I can, you know, support and be present and just be like, mm. you know, always available in the same way that my dad was always available to me and, and how much that meant to me and how much that influenced my life for the better. Um, yeah, I I think I'd be a good dad. Yeah, I think I'd have a cool kid. You'd have such a cool kid. <laughs> so who here's having a kid with me? <laughs> yeah, uh, um, call the hotline. Yeah. yeah. Do you have kids? Are you listening now? <laughs> what we say, does what we say have truth? Yeah, meaning? tell us, please. <laughs> Have have you guys heard of recess therapy on YouTube? No, no, never heard of this. Um, I want to sh- I want to show you this because this is it's a small tangent. I'll edit this, sure. but there's there's this um, there's this YouTube channel where this guy goes around and interviews little kids in Central Park or like wherever in New York City, and uh, he just asks them random questions and they're hysterical. He asks this one kid about Komodo dragons. Mm like what his his favorite animal is and i'm just i watch this i watch this youtube channel and it makes me so happy hmm. Hmm. and i watch that i want a child but i'm like are all the kids like this is there this select one out of 20 <laughs> children like this one child um can i share my uh, screen yeah sorry i want to give you permission thank you i can't remember if i asked you or not <laughs> All right, you should be good now. Okay. This will only take two seconds, but all right. How do I go back? So that's an edited down version of this five minute video. But yeah, it's just like a bunch of random kids like this. I feel that. And and some of them are really smart. They're like, you know, they're seven, eight and they're super I mean, to be honest, that kid sounds like he might as well just be like, you know, a mid twenties stoner describing this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Maybe he's not not bound for much. Uh. No, I'm I'm saying he, he like that sounds like someone you could have a real conversation with. You know, 
Mm. Oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> so would you want to hang out with this kid? Uh, yeah, I would, yeah, I would hang out with that kid, sure. Take him to take him to the park. Yeah. You'd have to take him to the, the Komodo dragon exhibit at the zoo. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, go to the zoo and take it in. Yeah, for sure. Mm. I could see myself hanging out with that kid. Um, so Kotaro, uh, 10 out of 10? Yes. I'm, yeah. I'm an 8 out of 10. <clears throat> 10 out of 10 might be anime of the year, depending on how we think about the release date of Sound of Harmony. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Potential until the next episode. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's the anime of the year until we watch Chainsaw Man. And then, and then that's anime of the year until the next season of Made in the Abyss. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 on a you know uh, a my my enthusiasm basis. is is boundless. You know, <laughs> the year the year is long. Yeah. There's a lot of animes of them. You know. <laughs> um. Now, I think Kotaro is definitely something everyone should check out. Um, it definitely brings up a lot of themes and stuff that uh, anime doesn't always portray. And it portrays it in such a unique way um, that I definitely think that if you were on the fence about Kotaro, like, get off the fence and watch it. Mm-hmm. It's only 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, while the art style did not strike me at all. Um, <laughs> the, the um, what do you call it? The substance of the show propelled it yeah forward. yeah i thought the the animation was the weakest part of the entire thing I, I i think i would love to see someone like um kobayashi's studio um kyoto animation kyoto animation mm. did this show because they do very like simple slice of life mm. show, shows very yeah, that's well true. Oh, yeah. that's true and mm-hmm. And this was done by Leiden Films. Leiden Films. Never heard of them. <laughs> they worked on Berserk, the new Berserk, Terraformers, uh, Cells at Work, hmm. Code Black, hmm. and Tokyo Revengers, to name a okay. few. Okay, well, those are a so little they're, bit better. They're established. Yeah, yeah they're they're established. But um, I think this is just the case with a lot of Netflix shows. The the animation seems to kind of fall uh, not high on the production. Hmm side of things so i do want to pose a question because earthworm posed this question in his episode um is kotaro lives alone moe no you don't think so i don't think so i think kotaro is a you could say maybe moe towards the character but i don't think he's he fits. He doesn't fit the mold of characters that we discussed yeah, I, uh, two months I ago. <laughs> yeah, I understand why someone may think that. In the sense that if we think of Moe as an innocence that you want to protect, then Kotaro certainly is, you know, has some as an angle of innocence that you want to protect attached to him. And I, so I understand why somebody might think that, but I did not think the show revolved around cuteness or innocence or, or anything like that in some particular way. It didn't never cross my mind. Innocence lost. I feel like it's the show's theme. Yeah. Innocence Maybe a little lost. more more like Innocence Lost, yeah. <laughs> but I do kind of uh I definitely um 
so usually my stuff is um centered around like young girls um but this is kind of centered around a very small child um who is a male a young i think boy, it's like the, the most the most moe yeah. that i think a show can be about a male protagonist Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they do have the um, the apartment complex, which is kind of like the the room that everybody um, comes back to. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of the story centers around that and the characters that live there. Um, but yeah, mm. yeah. What I love most about this show is just a portrayal of like what a traditional family should be uh-huh. and that it's not always who your parents are, who give, who raise you. It's, it's the people you surround yourself with. Right. Like you can form greater bonds with those, with people who are not your parents or not your family. than you know what I mean? With, with people you don't even uh-huh. know essentially that you just meet. Uh, so yeah, that part was the most relevant to me. Um, Actually, uh, I do have a, a little quote. There's a Vulture article I was reading about Kotaro, and I thought this summed it up pretty well um, in terms of what the show is. Um, so I, Kotaro subverts the abandoned child trope that exists in so much anime, which is what Amelia was saying, I mm. think. Mm-hmm. Um, the superpowered boys and magical girls who go on fantastical adventures to other dimensions and an ultimate wish fulfillment of independence, Kotaro doesn't dodge the inherent darkness of the premise. Why is a child living alone, but also imagines an informal family structure in which the parental bond is one made over time rather than assumed. Hmm. I don't know. I just like yeah. that. That well spoken little phrasing yeah. makes sense to me. Which is the case. Like, we talk about this all the time with anime. Like, where are the parents? Mm-hmm. They're just magically gone. They're just somewhere. But this doesn't shy from the fact that <laughs> there are no yeah. parents. His parents are shit. You know? Parents are dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, mom's dead and dad ain't around. Biggest spoiler. Yeah, I really thought, I really thought the, the dad uh, on the phone, the phone call dad, was. I thought that might actually be his real dad. That'd be crazy. I was like, uh, they're alluding to this. Is that true? And then it wasn't. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, the grave scene, the last episode. Yeah, that hit hard. That was very emotionally uh, uh, taxing. That hit yeah. hard. The only time Carino was going to lie to him, huh? It was heavy. Mm-hmm. I also, I also liked Carino's editor. Oh, oh I hated him. You hated him. Uh, why? Uh, you hated him. Uh, why? Uh, did you did you hate him because of his annoying mannerisms? Yes, absolutely. I, I thought he was cool, and I love I love that he was hooking up Kotaro with a good time, and Kotaro was oh, like, yeah. "Oh, I can't distract you from your biological children." Dude, dude was. Uh, yeah, he just had a, a surprising amount of character complexity and depth to him in that episode. It was, it was very cool. Guy needs some sleep. 
He's got the shadows. Yeah, yeah that's definitely true. Eyes. He's overworked, underpaid, maybe. Yeah. Perhaps. It, it, well, yeah, it was, it was kind of shocking to me when he said, oh, the... Uh, the kids, the kids, or the editing department of the kids magazine, is that my house? I was like, damn, man, it must be a really small time <laughs> operation if you're running shit out of your house. You know, no shame in that, of course, but it's just like, I I guess I was expecting it was a big professional thing. Hmm. Yeah, when he, when he brought Kotaro in the office and he was showing him all the to- tonomasaman tonosaman mm-hmm. uh memorabilia and the mm-hmm. statue i did like that i would like that episode uh he's had some redeeming qualities i yeah. suppose i don't know the episodes are kind of structured like a moe show well yeah little true bit, yeah a little, little slice of a little, little slice of the pie yeah mm-hmm. three slices of pie each episode yeah, they would drop the name in the bottom right mm-hmm. corner when the, when it would switch mm-hmm. between chapters or whatever you want to call yeah. them. Mm-hmm. All right, go watch the show. You need to watch it because it's great. Yeah, we recommend it. Highly recommend it. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe we'll uh, design a god shirt for Fuck. the convention. Oh my god! I want to be like, boy, you don't have to wear that shirt, okay? Yeah, <laughs> it does. Hmm. <laughs> it makes me feel connected. Um, speaking of feeling connected, connect with us at Acon. Hell yeah, boy! <laughs> yeah. Feel free to chat us up after our panels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let us know where the after parties are at. The uh, you know, 30 and over after parties. <laughs> <laughs> no children allowed. Yeah, no kids. Well, you know, it's it's like no it's, it's more like I'm paranoid of, of being like you know, being up on that stage and being like, you know, it's midnight, and I'm like, all right, where are the after parties at? And someone's like, oh, yeah, there's a hotel party here. And I'm like, yeah, cool, let's go. And then it's like a bunch of 19 and 20 year olds and like 20, <laughs> 21, 22, 23 year olds. And I'm like, mm. well, I mean, yeah. to be fair, I, I, mean, I have friends that are that are in their early 20s. Oh, I, I do too. But, yeah. You know, I, I agree. Well, I'm hanging out with them tomorrow. So I, I, it, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to hang out with, with other uh, people, but I don't necessarily want to like get comfortable and schmooze and like lay it on thick <laughs> with people that young, you know? Well, I'm okay. sure there's That's also fair. an after party at a club somewhere. I don't want to go to a club. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> Maybe we need to have the party then. We'll bring the we'll, we'll bring the people to our place. Yeah, I, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah, but I think that'd be kind of cool. Actually, It'd be a, you know our panel ends at midnight. And we're like after party at our Airbnb. Who the fuck is coming over? Yeah, yeah. We, who's ready for beer pong? We just, and we'll have like a, let's not just like yeah. tell everyone. Just tell the select people. <laughs> I don't want no creepos coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I got a creeper. I got a creeper magnet <laughs> attached to me. <laughs> sure. 
Huh. Anyway. <laughs> Check us out at Icon. I hope you're having a great time. We're having a blast. <laughs> right now, mm-hmm. as you're listening to this. Yeah. We are having a ball. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I know we are. Mm-hmm. I'm pumped. We're going to have a good yeah. time. Yeah. Thanks for listening to our show, our podcast. Go adopt a child today. Closing thoughts. That's yeah. my closing statement for the for the episode. And buy the fancy tissues just in case. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Sweet is better. Yeah. Closing thoughts. Uh, I entered Kotaro having never thought of eating a tissue and not wanting to adopt a child. I exited Kotaro wondering what it might be like to eat a tissue and wondering what it might be like to adopt a child. Damn. I recommend this show. Mine's over here. I recommend this show. That's a wrap. Goodbye. All right. See you later, y'all. Oh, it's